This is Revolutionary Insights, stories of success and failure from tech giants. Why was the first iteration of healthcare.gov such a huge failure? How did it get fixed? And what did it teach us about the differences between government and business? Administrator of the United States Digital Service, Mikey Dickerson, explains. It was just total insanity. There were 55 different companies contracted to work on different parts of healthcare.gov, which is a fairly complicated operation, but it ain't that complicated. Uh, And there were, I don't know, conservatively, nobody, this is another piece of insanity, literally nobody knows how many people were engineers, developers, whatever you want to call them, technical roles on the project, but it was at least hundreds. They're in dozens of different buildings. Uh, and not only did they not have any kind of habit or custom uh, of working together, they were in most cases explicitly forbidden from communicating with each other because of the way contracts are managed through the government. So uh, you, and, 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 this was, and this was set up, and there was nobody, the government reserved for itself the job of coordinating how all this was going to go, and the problem was the government doesn't really have that skill set. And so what was going on just made zero sense. Uh, and. So a lot of the things that we did that helped, like a lot of the stuff we did that was like the battlefield medicine that helped a lot in a very short period of time was stuff that seems silly to even explain now, such as having all those people meet together, like <laughs> sometimes, like in a place. And uh, so that was the thing. And like installing monitoring, that was a thing that had not been done. So without that, like these hundreds of people who are responsible for little teeny pieces that all have to all collaborate together to make the distributed system work, uh, literally didn't know whether the site was up or not other than by CNN. A very simplistic like two-sentence explanation would be that the government is stuck in the past and you know that we use that as shorthand and we say that and it's true enough. Uh, it's, it's harder to figure out than that though. The government is not actually stuck. It does change. Uh, it, it moves forward for whatever forward happens to mean at the time. Uh, it just does that at a pace which is slower. And it was designed to be this way. That's uh, what's so hard about it. We, a lot of, how many people, I mean, forget people in a job like ours, like politicians run for office and say that what their vision is is to make government run more like a business, more efficient, faster, and make decisions quicker, and stuff like that. We actually don't want the government to do that for the most part. Uh, we don't want. Social Security to radically change behavior between this year and next year. That would be not popular. That would be not good. People are depending on those benefits to live out the rest of their lives on, and that's not a business that you really want disrupted. Nobody wants that. Uh, The government was designed with the value, it's written into the Constitution, that everybody will get equal protection under the law. That's another constraint that businesses don't operate with. Take whatever tech company you want. Just look at any restaurant on Castro over there. Uh, pick any of them, every single one of them has put some thought into who is their target market, and their target market is not the whole entire United States of America. And like everything from the decorations on the walls to like the opening hours to the prices have all been chosen targeting a customer, not the whole entire country at once. That was Mikey Dickerson, administrator of the USDS in conversation with Computer History Museum CEO John Holler. Revolutionary Insights is curated from the Computer History Museum's Revolutionaries interview series and is brought to you by Audible.